either, either can we do a television interview or can we do a, a, yeah. a press interview? I'm finding I'd almost like to start completely it's, it's, from it's scratch. Hello, my name's John Dennis. It's Friday the 26th of March. In a special edition of Guardian Daily, we examine David Cameron's claims to have modernised the Conservative Party. An important part of his appeal to voters in the coming election is his claim that under his leadership, the Tories have embraced diversity and equality. Cameron and his allies talk the talk over equality, but how deep does the Tories' commitment to minority rights run? The journey the Conservative Party has been on um, a necessary journey to get it in a place where it is in favour of and actually arguing for um, equality for gay people. Um, that's a journey that has taken place. In a filmed interview with Gay Times, the Tory leader appeared uncertain and equivocal about his party's voting record in the House of Lords and in the European Parliament. We no, well, I think you, we want you to yes, vote for you know, us. Yes, I do, you I know, do. So I do. do you know, can, we, can we stop for a second? Is it, I, I, really, I really want to answer these questions. That is really complicated. Labour says the interview unmasked Cameron as insincere about his claims to have detoxified the Conservative Party. He's very good at learning a script, and he's learned a script on, on, on some issues in an attempt to detoxify the Conservative brand. But the Tories insist Cameron's commitment to inclusivity is sincere and they are no longer the nasty party. I think David Cameron himself has said that it's, it wasn't his clearest interview. It's been almost hijacked by people trying to suggest that the whole of the Conservative Party is homophobic. Well, with me to discuss Cameron's claims to lead a newly progressive party are Guardian columnists Anne Perkins and Julian Glover and the editor of Gay Times, Tris Reed-Smith. Welcome to The Guardian, Tris. Uh, Congratulations on a fantastic scoop. Uh, Before we hear um, a clip from the interview that Martin Popperwell did with David Cameron for Gay Times, can you just set it up for us? Can you introduce this clip? Yeah, this is a part of a series of interviews we've done for our our, our current issue, which is uh, out now. And uh, we did Gordon Brown... Nick Clegg and David Cameron um, and we wanted to quiz the uh, party leaders as much as we could in, in a time available on, on a range of gay issues. Um, we asked you know broadly similar questions to all of them uh, and uh, it was quite surprising when uh, uh, about halfway through David Cameron asked for the uh, recording to be stopped. Um, well I don't, well, I mean I'm, the trouble is you're, I mean I'll have to go back and look at this particular, um, this particular law, I don't control, I don't regularly, in fact I barely, barely ever issue instructions to my MEPs to vote uh, in this way or in that way, the MEPs have their own leader, they have their own group um, and it's not something I just don't routinely um, look at their voting behaviour and say will you do this rather than that, it's just that's not the way the party runs. I am responsible for the votes here. I, I don't, I'm afraid, sorry, it's not a very good answer, but I don't, I don't, you know, I'll have to go and look at this particular vote in, in the European Parliament. But when you, when you say you, you often have free votes in this uh, Parliament, that the Parliament for which you're responsible, if you accept, as you did at the beginning of the interview, that gay equality is basically a, a fundamental No, sorry, actually, you're right, you're right. No, I mean, I did, I'm not the, the answer about, sorry, sorry. Um, you're right. The, the two, the, sorry, the two, um, uh, the two, the two votes are are very different. Sorry, that's right. What I'm saying is, in terms of, um, uh, in terms of House of Commons votes, um, 
on if something is about a, a David Cameron interviewed by Martin Popplewell for Gay Times. Well, how did this interview sit with Cameron's claims to a progressive platform? The Conservative candidate for Salford and Eccles is Matthew Sefton. He's chair of the Tories' lesbian, gay and bisexual group. Since David Cameron has become leader of the Conservative Party, it's, there have been so many changes and the party's come so far. Um, and you just have to look at, in his first conference speech, he stood up and he said to the whole conference that he believed marriage um, was just as valid, whether it was between a man and a woman, a man and a man, a woman and a woman, and that's why we would support civil partnerships. So he, uh, although it was a free vote, because on, on most issues, which um, are these sorts of issues, um, we don't, the Conservative Party traditionally doesn't whip the MPs. You know, so he encouraged MPs to support civil partnerships. More of the shadow cabinet. Um, voted for civil partnerships than members of the cabinet did actually so that's one area we've got more LGBT um, prospective MPs than ever before <clears throat> I mean Ben Summerskill has publicly again said that he believes after the next election there will be more gay and lesbian MPs from the conservative benches than on any of the other benches we've got vice chair of the party who is standing in a safe, uh, well, not a safe, a target seat in Stourbridge, openly lesbian. Um, and we've got more than two dozen PPCs who are standing. So I think that in itself is an illustration that the party isn't homophobic. I mean, I was selected as an openly gay man by ordinary members on the ground. It wasn't a problem. It wasn't an issue. It's not something that's come up. David Cameron has made it clear that these issues are very important. I mean, as chairman of LGB Tory, I've had various meetings with members of the shadow cabinet. I mean, we have three shadow, openly gay shadow ministers. That, to me, says something as well. Are you happy, for instance, with Tory MPs sitting with the Polish Law and Justice Party, which bans gay pride marches, opposes gay marriage and the adoption of children by gays and lesbians? I think on the European issue, it's, it's, it's a it's a difficulty with all groupings on the European issue, to be quite honest. Uh, I mean, David Cameron decided to set up the European grouping specifically because we in the Conservative Party, as most of the British public, opinion poll after opinion poll has shown, is anti-federalist. And the EPP is an overtly federalist uh, grouping. And so we wanted to form a new grouping that wasn't going to be a federalist grouping and that deliberately would oppose federalism. Forming a group in the European Parliament is so complicated because you have to get so many different countries involved and there's all sorts of rules and regulations. And if you look at the Labour Party and the Lib Dems um, coalitions as well, they're also in coalition with people who've said similar things. That's not to justify people saying things which are homophobic and wrong, but it's one of the problems with European groupings. Matthew Sefton claiming Cameron has changed his party. But Labour's Ben Bradshaw, one of the UK's first openly gay MPs, says the interview shows that's not true. I thought it was a complete car crash. I'd never seen uh, the Conservative leader so rattled, so unsure of himself and so all over the place. I think what it showed to me was that he's very good at learning a script and he's learned a script on, on, on some issues in an attempt to detoxify the Conservative a brand. But when he's pushed and comes under real scrutiny and he forgets the script because he doesn't actually believe what he's talking about, he, he, he falls apart. And that was, a, I think, really the first time 
we've seen him fall apart uh, in an interview. He has succeeded, though, hasn't he, in making his party more diverse. He's not, he says it's not just a white, middle-class, middle-aged party anymore. Uh, in a very limited uh, way, uh, uh, he has. And, but if you look at the, uh, the actual voting record of the Conservatives and David Cameron himself, uh, it, it doesn't uh, support uh, that modernization claim. Uh, re- up until very recently, they've been voting against the Equality Act, uh, they voted against fertility rights for lesbian couples. And, of course, he, one of the other things that tripped him up in this interview and previous interviews was that he he's always claimed that he supported gay adoption, when, in fact, the record shows he voted against gay adoption. So I think he's tried, and I think, as in a lot of the things that they've tried to do, they've tried to sort of airbrush a new image, but underneath, they're still the same old Tories. He used Section 28, which was the, you know, the notorious legislation which banned the so-called promotion of homosexuality in schools. Now, he's offered a public apology for that, this legislation that was introduced uh, in the Thatcher, by the Thatcher government. I mean, that's a significant moment, wasn't it? I don't think he had any choice, because, uh, I mean, that was the most outrageous piece of legislation. But isn't it interesting that the thing that tripped him up in the, uh, in the Gay Times interview was that he didn't know that his MEPs in the European Parliament uh, had supported similar legislation uh, in uh, the Baltic states. Uh, And not only did he not know that, but uh, uh, he he then went on to claim that uh, his Tory MEPs didn't tend to vote on issues that that interfered in other countries' affairs, whereas actually they do so all the time. So not only inconsistent, but also disingenuous. Labour MP Ben Bradshaw. Well, let's hear from our panel now, Julian Glover, Anne Perkins and editor of Gay Times, Tris Reed-Smith. Tris, David Cameron um, was seen and heard there prevaricating, being evasive. Uh, Why do you think he was all over the place in this interview? I I think that it is fair to say, in balance, that David Cameron has made some big positive changes to the Conservative Party with relation to these issues. But I think that there are some places, uh, policy-wise, where he's wrong about it. And I think that the European uh, issue where they've made this alliance with parties who are homophobic in Europe in order to take an anti-federalist stance is one of them. I mean, yes, it's hard forming an alliance in Europe. I'm sure it's very complicated, but my heart doesn't bleed for the Conservatives about how hard life their life is. It bleeds for the, the people in Poland who can't be openly gay, to be honest. And uh, so I think that there are issues where they're just on the wrong side of the argument still, and maybe are prepared to give up our rights in order to secure what they want to do politically. And and I I think that uh, it makes it very hard for him to defend those. And Perkins, Ben Bradshaw uh, claims that the Tories' voting record shows that they haven't really changed under David Cameron. Matthew Sefton, we heard there from the the lesbian, gay and bisexual Tory group, says that their voting record shows that they have changed. Who's right? Um, I would like to number crunch on on the voting record. First, I mean, the interview is fascinating and it's going to be very, very damaging, I think, because it really does make the, uh, you know, they haven't really changed charge stand up against them and they're going to find it really hard, I think, to overcome that. But on, um, you know, beyond that kind of uh, immediate sort of party political advantage, I think we're also seeing... Um, how incredibly difficult this kind of change is because I think 
Cameron genuinely is trying to take the Tory party on a journey. It's just that he's not kind of really looking at the scenery as he goes. And he doesn't understand. And I think Labour's in government's taken a long, long time to understand how you tackle discrimination. It's not just about changing the rules. It's not, I mean, obviously there are some kind of egregious, offensive bits of law. But but actually undoing um, barriers to uh, equality is much, much, much harder than it is to say it. Julian Glover, um, David Cameron didn't really seem prepared in this interview with Gay Times for the questions about um, European Parliament and the way um, his, his MEPs were voting. I mean, should he have been more prepared? Well, it was a car crash of an interview, as Ben Bradshaw said. Everybody who hears it or sees it will agree with that. I think we need to unpick what it is we find was wrong with it. First of all, it was a bad performance in media terms. It could have been a bad performance about many subjects. It just happened to be an interview about gay rights. Now, the question is whether the subject of the interview was the reason he was so awkward, or was it because he hadn't slept that night? If you watch the start of the film, he has a face like thunder. He's exhausted at the beginning. That doesn't excuse him being no good. But I don't think it was just this subject that unsettled him. I think he came into it not really knowing what he was doing, probably stormed into the room, hadn't prepared. Now, that's no excuses, not something a leader of a party or a potential prime minister should do. But I don't think it was just because it was a discussion of gay rights. He might have been just as bad if it had been a talk about education or anything else. Secondly, he was unclear, and again, it's their fault, not the interview. It's a great interview to have. He was unclear what kind of interview it was he was doing. He behaved as a politician quite often will do in an interview for newspaper or a magazine with a lobby journalist, which is not to be completely fluent, to occasionally pause, to occasionally say, I'm not sure of the details. Um, And to sort of sometimes say, can I just try saying that again? Now, he did all of that on camera, and he knew there were cameras. There were three cameras in the room pointing at him, and he was mic'd up. So there was no sense of this coming as a surprise. Um, But I don't think he'd been told by his staff, so he should uh, certainly deal with them. But on the specific issue, yes, the Conservative Party had an awfully long way to go, and it still does. Um, on, on, the, on the big question of whether he's detoxified the party? He didn't do the only detoxification. For me, the most significant moment in the Conservative Party evolution was when it didn't oppose civil partnerships, as the right all around the world has. In most countries, the introduction of civil partnerships has been a very big issue, which has quite often split the nation, led newspapers to things like the Daily Mail in Britain, would have campaigned very strongly if the Tories had given a lead, and they didn't. And that was actually Michael Howard and Alan Duncan, and the greatest thing I suspect Alan Duncan will ever do in Parliament was the speech he did on that subject, which was powerful and moving. And that was all pre-Cameron. Also a party that's always had a very strong um, element of, of gay membership, just not openly gay. My, my partner um, was a Conservative MP and founded, or jointly founded, the, the movement we heard uh, the, the, the leader of Speak Now when it began in the 1980s, they couldn't put a sign up on the door saying there was a gay rights movement going on. (laughs) It had to be passed around as a sort of covert thing. So the Tory party has been evolving for a long term. And I think it's wrong just to see Cameron turning up and sort of switching the rules around. Um, Does he know about the subject? No, clearly not. He hasn't read the documents (laughs) and he should have done. And is he embarrassed about um, his European connections? Well, he ought to be because they're not very good. Well, Julian, I hope you don't mind people knowing your your partner is Matthew Paris, who's a columnist in The Times. Am I allowed to say that? Well, you have. So I have to, but, no uh, secret. Sorry, well, I'd say that. Okay, um, well, um, because Matthew, uh, Matthew Paris wrote earlier on this week on this subject, uh, Tris Reed-Smith from Gay Times, Matthew Paris wrote earlier this week that um, a, a lot of gay people are n- natural conservatives. And, uh, you know, um, do you think that gay people 
can happily vote Conservative. This was a question that was put to Cameron in the interview, actually, wasn't it? It's obviously going to be a lot easier for anybody to do that with an easy conscience now than they did before. There are going to be some gay people who will refuse to accept that you can ever vote Conservative and be anything other than a bad gay, which is ridiculous, really. <laughs> but uh, this this election is going to be, I think everybody agrees, about the economy. And uh, there's, there's, a, there's a clear dividing line between what the current government wants to do, what the next government wants to do. And there are people who are going to say, well, they're, you know, they're acceptable, and I believe in their economic views, and therefore that's what I'm going to go for. So, yeah, absolutely they can. And Perkins, what do you think about uh, David Cameron's claims to have detoxified the party? Because the, the idea that pe- voters are going to look at them and think, same old Tories, is, is terrifying to David Cameron, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and, and of course, the, the, I mean, the, the kind of absurd thing about this interview and, and, and the fact that he, he gave you um, a, a Gay Times interview at all was because this whole business about abandoning Section 28 and, and uh, you know, acknowledging civil women and, having, and making sure that uh, you know their candidate base is so much broader and so on is is it, it is almost entirely about saying we're different we've changed saying and, we're different yes saying we're different but I mean Julian's right they are different of course they're different you know that the Conservative Party is nothing if it's not adaptable that's why it's you know been around for so long um, and and it, and it is changing and it is reflecting change but there you know there is a core there that's deeply socially conservative and. Um, you know the, the the change has is not yet gone all the way through, and it was incredibly important to non-conservative voters who might vote conservative to say, "Oh, look, we're different," and that's why this is so that, that, damaging. That's certainly true, and there's, there's a smaller core in the Labour Party um, which is pretty unhappy about some of this too. But but Labour gets the credit because it really did lead in in in, in the last ten years on changing the law in a really dramatic and, and profound way. The Conservative Party, I think, perhaps doesn't think it needs to change as much as it does. It, it feels it's been misrepresented. And so some of this is about changing image because it doesn't always feel the core needs to change. Um, I do also wonder, sometimes people say Cameron does interviews like this just to win over voters. There's an element of doing these things which offends people, including in his own party. And he has uh, done an interview with the Gay Times. He did an interview with Attitude magazine. I'm not saying he should be congratulated for doing it. It's a completely normal thing for a political leader to do. But he could have chosen not to do that and shown change in other ways. Um, this kind of interview is not likely ever to persuade floating voters in most of Britain who aren't gay that the Conservative Party is suddenly modern and different. It might just make them think, gosh, he's just doing gimmicks. The, the, the fact he chose to do this interview is to his credit. The fact he did it badly is not. I, th- I think it's true to say that five years ago we wouldn't have had this interview. Um, it just We would have been turned down flat. Uh, so th- that is a sign of change. That's a sign of progress, isn't it? Because at least we're engaging with the issues now. The um, gay rights group Stonewall um, has been looking at MPs voting records in the current parliament. Uh, and they found that George Osborne and Francis Maud had better voting records on gay equality issues than one in five Lib Dem in, um, MPs. And that Kate Hoey, the least gay friendly of all Labour MPs, uh, has a voting record worse than more than 120 Conservatives. So uh, it, it's, it's not, um, you know, lest we be complacent Complacent, uh, complacently suppose that Labour, your Labour candidate is going to be more progressive than your Tory candidate. That might not necessarily be the case, Tris. I, I think the voting record thing is quite complicated. For example, we asked that question of, of Gordon Brown in our interview with him, uh, partly because uh, his voting record doesn't seem to stack up very well, but that's mostly because he was Chancellor and he wasn't able to attend all of the votes. I mean, he's had another job to do. Well, Gordon so, Brown avoids votes on most controversial issues and always <laughs> has. If you go through, through votes on House of Lords reform or all sorts of other things too, yeah. Gordon was always busy somewhere else. <laughs> um, 
what about because I mean, as a as sort of guardian types and uh, as uh, liberals, progressives, um, should we want David Cameron to succeed in reforming the Conservative Party? Because on the one hand, you know, from from a uh, from a sort of guardian perspective, you you know, we we want to encourage progressive. Stop! Stop! Values. Yes, of course we should. It's, we should it's, it's, absolutely. This but is a good thing. On the other hand, we don't want a Tory victory. Well, many of us. You're you're you're, <laughs> you're either chairing the interview or taking part in it. Um, the, the, of course we should. A, a party leader who says. These are things that we shouldn't be bigoted on. These are things that um, the law has been wrong on. These are things that have caused suffering amongst individuals who have no reason to suffer. Discrimination is a bad thing. That's good. We should be really pleased that Cameron's led on this. And also, just because the Tories do, even if they do it imperfectly, it makes it harder for anyone else to retreat. It makes it harder for religious groups to come in. And, you know, we've had in the House of Lords just recently uh, an amendment which has not yet gone through into law, but hopefully will on civil partnerships taking place in religious institutions, which the Conservative peers didn't derail. In fact, many of them supported. It's really good if all three parties push on this together. Yeah, it's, it's, it's this point about um, embedding cultural change. And, and that's why this, that, you know, that the fact that he gave the interview is, is important, although, you know, in the short term, not nearly as important as the fact that he fluffed it. But um, that, that, I think, is actually symptomatic of a much wider problem that the Conservatives have, and which is going to be sorely exposed in the course of the campaign. Just, just look at the right in America. There is no openly uh, gay congressman from either party now in, in, in American politics. It's very hard. The right really comes down discriminating on this. In Australia just this week, we've got comments from uh, senior Australian opposition right-wing politicians, including the leader. He's had to go off and apologise for appearing to be homophobic and say he's uncomfortable with it. These are really dangerous things. When one party starts saying that, the other party gets pigeonholed unfairly as the kind of bastion of, of, of progressive values. That's, you know, there are many gay people who are conservative and they don't want to be forced to support the Labour Party because they feel unwelcome in the Tory party. Trish Reid-Smith, will you be advising your readers to vote for a particular party in the coming election? We're only advising our readers to vote. And, uh, and, and actually, what we care about is what happens after the election, um, how well we're protected. Um, you know, is a gay youth group the first thing to get cut? That's the kind of grassroots issue, and that's why it's important for all of these parties are pushing in the right direction. Well, Trish Reid-Smith, editor of Gay Times, many thanks for coming into The Guardian today. Thank you also to our columnists Julian Glover and Anne Perkins. Today's edition of Guardian Daily was produced by Andy Duckworth and Tim Maybe. My name's John Dennis. Thanks for listening. Listener.